0: Welcome to The New Neighborhood. I'm your host, Joan Lombardi, and I'm delighted to be with you today to share some of the dramatic changes that are taking place across the country as people are reinforcing a sense of community. They're supporting young children and families and assuring equity right from the start. Today we're going to hear about Connect First, which supports healthy pregnancies, births, and early childhood development across Tulsa County in Oklahoma connect first is part of a larger effort called best which stands for birth to eight strategy for Tulsa and works to disrupt intergenerational poverty starting with families with very young children. Today we're very lucky to be talking to Catrice Brantley the director of connect first.
1: Thank you Joan. I'm so excited to be here.
0: As we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What led you into this work? Well, Joan, I'll try to make this a
1: long story short. I am a registered nurse by background in Oklahoma native. I have five children ages 27 to 5, so we've been parenting across all spectrums for quite some time, and I was born to 16-year-old parents, and I had my two oldest children when I was 19 and 21. But when I was younger, I just always remember feeling like there has to be something different. When I was 15, my mom was pregnant with one of my little sisters. And I just read everything about her whole pregnancy. And then when it was time for her to go into labor, we rushed around and I remember saying, that's your mucus plug, we need to go. And so we got in the car and went, and the nurse was putting her IV in. And before I knew it, it was time for my mom to push the doctors in another room. And so it was the nurse and myself in the room with my mother and my mom. We delivered the baby. And I guess I didn't really deliver the baby, but I was there in that moment right there. And I just fell in love with all things OB. And so took a different path and went to nursing school rather than medical school, But knew that I still wanted to deliver babies, and so I went to midwifery school. Midwifery is not very well practiced here in Oklahoma. There's just limited practices. So my career took a different route, and I worked in a local hospital here and took the leadership route, was a nurse manager, and heard about this wonderful opportunity with the birth rate strategy for Tulsa. That's what landed me here, and it has been a wonderful journey.
0: So, really, your personal experience led you to this work. Tell us a little bit about Tulsa today. What's it like to live there?
1: Tulsa is a very much a growing city, as I'm sure you've seen in the news lately. We've been in the news a lot, but it is a community of both strengths and resilience, as well as history and enduring presence of inequities and systemic racism. I feel that we are on the journey and in a crossroads. Um, with the history of the race massacre and the um, centennial coming up this next year. It has been really nice to see how organizations and partnerships in the city have offered opportunities for us to really make a change. And what's been very unique is as we partner and work together, um, trying to correct those inequities. Um, We've just been, as I said, to be able to work with nonprofits and public sector organizations Community groups and individuals who believe in children and families of Tulsa and want to make Tulsa a better place. And so I do feel like we are on a journey of healing. And while we are not there yet, it is now where we have open dialogue and we talk about those things. And the work that we do is really partnering to make change.
0: That's terrific to call it a journey of healing. It's a beautiful concept and an important one. Tell us about BEST. What does it stand for? How did it come about? BEST
1: is one of the initiatives of the George Kaiser Family Foundation. The foundation was doing a lot of work around health and social services and early childhood education and criminal justice and many other things. And one of the things that Mr. Kaiser says that I hold near and dear to my heart, that a child should be offered the same opportunities no matter what circumstances that they were born into, and so his heart is really to change the trajectory of children's lives, and with a heavy emphasis on the importance of the early years, because we believe that the early years are vital to making a difference in a child's life, and then really equipping parents to, to let them know that they are their parents' best teacher. So, with BEST, the foundation was doing a lot of different programming in Tulsa and working with a lot of different organizations here in Tulsa to really move the needle of intergenerational poverty. And a lot of that work was in the healthcare sector. This was before my time, but really heard that several program officers and organizations really got to asking Are we really moving the needle with intergenerational poverty? And what can we do to do things differently? And so, through a community effort, several organizations came together and spent a long journey, I believe it was about a year, really just dreaming up what would be different. And there was birth, the birth through eight strategy for Tulsa. And we look at where we really start at preconception, but BEST was a better acronym. And so looking at um, pregnancy and preconception and all the way across the early years of a child's life, all the way to age eight, The goal areas of BEST are to promote healthy births, have children on a positive developmental trajectory by age three, ready for kindergarten and achieving third grade success. We believe in focusing on these four areas and really looking in the sectors of health, education, social services that you can lead families on a trajectory that will lead to lifelong success and then hopefully break the cycle of intergenerational poverty. And we reached, we we discovered over the years that you really need to reach not only the children, you need to reach families. So our strategy has expanded to really touch um, families in that now we are looking into economic mobility and also strengthening key healthcare partners and also strengthening um, other community efforts as well.
0: So you've really got three really important principles all connected. It's a two generation approach. It's looking across the early years and it's bringing the sectors together. Those are critical elements of any community wide effort. How does Connect First work?
1: Connect First is the navigation piece of the birth rate strategy for Tulsa. One of the things that the partners and other organizations wanted to see that would be different or we felt would be different about best would be that there would be a connection or a navigation piece for families so that you wouldn't have a mom searching for services and having to make multiple phone calls to get the services that they need. And so looking at that, it was how can we connect pregnant women early in their pregnancy to a family advocate and then that family advocate help navigate that mother through or connect that mother to the resources and services that they need and then calling back to make sure that the family was able to connect to those resources and services. And so it's built on building a trusted relationship with those mothers and then Connect First is comprised of public and private sectors. We work very closely with the Tulsa Health Department, Parent Child Center of Tulsa and Oklahoma or OU School of Pediatrics. And through that partnership, we have a collaboration to connect people to women and families to services without, du- without a duplication of services.
0: So how does someone get a family navigator? There are several entry
1: points to be connected to a family advocate. The main source, our biggest um, connector is through when a mom signs up for Medicaid, which in Oklahoma it is called sooner care. Every pregnant woman who signs up for Medicaid, Sooner care in Tulsa County is receives a call from the Connect First Family Advocate. And that family advocate reaches out to let that family know about the program and also gauges their interest in the program. And while they're on the phone, does the initial assessment of do you have a prenatal provider? And are you currently signed up for WIC, which goes along with that early access to care and nutrition to promote a healthy pregnancy, which then lends to a healthy birth. And then from there, if they are not connected with those two services, the family advocate makes that connection or resource um, referral for that family. And then asks one step further, are there any other resources or things that you need on this call today and makes those referrals as well? The call then um, hopes to lead to a long lasting relationship where that family advocate then is connected through that mother throughout the pregnancy and connects with them on a monthly or more than monthly if needed, and then throughout their pregnancy. And then along the way, we work with programs like Children First, which we call in Tulsa, but it's modeled after NFP, the national model. Um, Family Connects, which is also a model from Durham, North Carolina. Healthy Steps, right beginnings, parent pro, several different programs that work together to then that there also may be an entry point to a connect first program or back to the family advocate to connect to services.
0: So that family advocate creates this relationship with the mother that is sustained over time. They must get very close.
1: Yes, Joan. It's been nice to watch those um, relationships grow and build and bond. Some of the family advocates I've walked into their cubicles and they will have pictures that their clients have sent them of their children, they've been invited to baby showers. It is a very long lasting trusted relationship. Of course, there are varying degrees of um, family, some really just want the phone call, some develop more intimate relationships with their family advocates. One thing that we do do is we promote a talk, read, sing monthly event where we invite each family advocate can invite their clients to come to an event, and we talk about the importance of reading. They receive a, receive a book, and we also provide um, lunch, and it's been interesting to watch the relationships grow there. We have one mom who I think has been to every single one of the events that we've had, and she's developed um, play dates with other moms, and so that was our hope from that, that it would be build a community for the moms as well.
0: So, it's that group connection that's so important and is that combination, right, of one on one and group connections. Um, who do the family advocates work for?
1: They work for the Tulsa Health Department.
0: How is community voice incorporated into the work?
1: Well, community voice and shared leadership is very important to the birth rate strategy for Tulsa. Even from the beginning, it was hearing from those organizations and partners. Um, what would this look like? So from the very beginning, it was crafted that way. And then going to the community to hear from parents on what would connect first to look like. So we did family focus groups. And then from that initial focus group as the pre-planning was happening, we called moms back from that initial planning after it was designed to ask them if they liked the final design. And then from then, once the family advocates were up and going, we did um, surveys, and then also we did three family focus groups just to find out from clients, is this program serving them well? Because for me, that was one of the biggest questions when I joined the team was, how will we know if this is successful or what does success look like? And we know that success is only as powerful as the families that you're serving or the clients that you're serving if their needs are being met. And so we used voice there. Also, BEST has a community advisory board, which is made up of leaders and partners from the community that attend um, a monthly advisory group. We also have community liaisons where we have community leaders who then have monthly meetings with families that they serve. We have a Latinx community and then more of an African-American community group as well. And from those groups, we hear things that need to change, whether that be from the clinic setting or healthcare settings or different things like that. So several different ways that we try to incorporate community voice.
0: So, and and that's exciting to hear that the community voice is not just at the beginning of the planning, but you're trying to get their feedback over the years.
1: Yes. And one of the ones that we just recently started, we work very closely with Tulsa Public Schools, is now The reach now has moved to school age entry to age eight for us to reach families. And so right now we're working with um, Tulsa Public Schools has a parent involvement facilitator role that they have one at each school and that um, parent involvement facilitator has now invited parents from their school. And so we're having listening sessions with those parents to ask those questions like, What are your needs that you have? We had done initial assessments, but now COVID has changed the whole landscape. So just really asking parents, what do you need? What would you like to have access
0: to? Across all this work, how are you connecting the various pieces in the community? It must take ongoing communication.
1: Yes. (laughs) At the beginning, we were having convenings and really with the best partners, just trying to make sure to keep everyone in the know of things that were going on. Now we rely on our partners where we went through the community advisory group. Um, there's also a monthly newsletter that goes out. We share efforts across the board of other grant opportunities or different things that are going on in the community. And then it's just building a lot of meetings, a lot of communication, a lot of community um, and relationship building. So thinking about, we're reaching 50% of our um, care applicants, but knowing that we'd like to reach the other 50%, how do you partner? So it's thinking of ways, how do we partner with OB um, GYN clinics so that we can reach more clients, knowing that the provider is a trusted messenger? We, can we now embed, which we've done, embed, connect first um, team members within the OB clinic so that now we can reach and um, connect more women's resources and services.
0: You know, it's a repeated theme we're hearing about connecting with the OBs, OBGYNs. So we're hearing that in other communities. It's so interesting. Catrice. how do you reach out to fathers? Right
1: now, we have a program where we have Strong Tomorrows, which is our teenage program, and they have a fatherhood program that works to incorporate fathers into their programming. We also, when we do support groups or any events, fathers are invited to those groups as well. And then we also have workforce programming, thinking about disrupting intergenerational poverty that will take the whole family. And so we offer those programming to not only the women that we may be serving because they are pregnant, we open it up to anyone in their household. So it could be, they don't have to be married. It could be her partner. It could be anyone. And so through that, one example I'd like to share, if that's okay, is one of our family advocates was working with a pregnant mom and her significant other had lost his job. And she reached out to her family advocate and they were having this discussion. And so the family advocate was able to connect the father to a workforce program so that then he would have immediate, or could transition to a job. And one of the things that the mom, she just really expressed how happy she was because had that had there been a gap in their finances, she was worried about how they would have paid their bills.
0: That, and that was such a great example of why it's so important to be including males in our work. And I was also wondering, have you been reaching out in the BEST initiative to the faith-based community?
1: Yes, Joan. Um, Early on in our work, we reached out and had a faith-based focus group that was comprised of leaders around um, the Tulsa community just to hear about the work that they're doing in their communities. Also, we have talk, read, seeing events and partnering with those events with the local churches. Those events are held at the churches and they promote the importance of talking, reading, and singing, and they invite people from the community to participate, and that is centered around a meal, and those events are held at on the church properties. Also, continuing on, we continue to just seek advice from those leaders. Um, one of our community liaisons is a local pastor, and so we do hear from the faith-based community and also community members through the work that he's doing as well. We know with the work that we're doing with Best that it is very important to have community voice and to hear not only from the clients that we serve, but also from the faith-based leaders because they're in direct interaction with their congregations, with leaders. They're doing a lot of the community work and we consider them a trusted messenger in the community. And so we knew that it was important to hear from them and hear the things that they're experiencing, and then learn from them of things that they also think are valuable because we feel that they know their communities well.
0: That's a great way to put it. It's a real team effort. Yes. You know, what's your advice to other communities? What have you learned that you'd wanna share? Joan, I think the advice
1: that I would want to give is to not underestimate the time that it takes to build trust and not only trust just with the partners and organizations that will be providing the services, but also with the city, with the community, with the clients that they will be serving. Because yes, I think sometimes we come to the table and we think we have all of these plans and we want to change the trajectory of folks' lives, but without bringing folks to the table to ask what do they need and what does change look like to them and what tools do they need to be able to foster those changes. So that would be one piece of advice. And the other piece of advice that I would offer is not to forget to add in the pieces of investing in the early years of a child's life and empowering the parents with the tools to do those things as well. We say you should read a book, but we forget to recognize that families have a lot of other stressors and things on their plate, such as how to pay the bills and how to provide food and other structures like that. So I feel that if we can figure out a way to help families alleviate some of those burdens and work towards financial independence. If you would think
0: across your work, what are you the most excited about?
1: I think I'm most excited about being involved in an initiative that is touching so many lives and has the potential to change the trajectory of so many lives. And I think one of the things that I've been very surprised about, and I don't know if surprised is the right word, but just my heart is warmed by, is really just so many community partners and organizations working together to collaborate on one common goal and that is for the betterment of our community and our families and the children that we serve. And so it's almost as if there's all egos down. Everyone's in the game. I always say like when I was first starting because building trust is very important to me but it's like there's really no winner other than the families we're serving. So we're all on the starting line and we're all running but let's all run together to get to the finish line. So it's just been nice to really see that we are all partnering and working together for the same common
0: goals. But well, you're a great example of someone who cares, a city that cares. And I want to just send my hearty congratulations to you and to the whole Tulsa community for pulling together and starting an effort that I think the rest of the country can learn from. Thanks a lot, Catrice. We were thrilled to have you. Thank you, Joan. Please join us next time for more insights into how communities are coming together to create new neighborhoods. This podcast is a production of the Center for the Study of Social Policy. For more information or to contact us, visit us online at www.cssp.org.